Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, it is so good to be back. Great to see you, a good-looking bunch of people. Fantastic. We've had a great, uh, great time away on our sabbatical. We took a bit of time to rest. We took a little bit of time to kind of refresh and, and restore the soul and do some fun things. And then we took a bunch of time really working on re-entry. What does it look like for us? What do we want the new season to be? What, what is God saying to us? What habits were fruitful for us in the last season that we want to replicate in the new season? What habits were not fruitful for us in the last season that we want to change into the new season? And it was a real opportunity for us to take time to hear from God on a consistent basis over that time. So thank you. A huge shout out, right, to our team, Dan and Shane and Taki and Sunny and Jay. Come on, let's give them a hand. TK, uh, John and Rosa, Bob and Maggie, the whole team, absolutely phenomenal. Even though Bob went to some extreme measures to get Christmas off, he could have just asked, and uh, we'll have that conversation earlier next year. But um, it's just been so incredible for us to have no concerns whatsoever about church while we were away. So thank you, everybody. I want to talk today about the call of God. The call of God that is on your life. Did you know that, that the call of God is on your life? I don't know how, how it's happened, but somewhere along the way, we, we kind of think that the call of God is just for some people, just for uh, maybe some special people, maybe just for people who work in church. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how we got to that point because the primary problem with that is, is that it is just not biblical. Let me take you to a scripture, Romans 8. I'm sure you know the first part of the scripture particularly well. Maybe not the second half. Let's look at that. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now the key delineator in there is those who love him, because those who love him are called. If you love him, you have been called, called according to his purpose. But then it goes on. For those God foreknew, of course God foreknew us, he also predestined. Now, can I just take a moment and put the whole predestination thing to bed, all right? Because, you know, we have these debates at various times about predestination and, and what does that mean? And, and has God predestined what, I'm, what I had for breakfast this morning? Has God predestined which brand of peanut butter I will put on my gluten-free toast? Has God predestined what I'm going to have for lunch? No, no. I mean... Predestination from a philosophical perspective is one thing, but predestination from a biblical perspective is very clear. Because in every case in the scriptures, when it talks about predestination, it is only talking about one thing. And that one thing is that for those of us who love him, God has predestined us to be, in fact, let's go back to it right here, for those he foreknew, he also predestined what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's it. So predestination, if you want to put that one to bed, it's real simple. If you love him, if you're called, then you are predestined to go on a journey that transforms you to look more and more like Jesus as you go. That's it. Don't have to stress about the whole peanut butter thing. It's going to be fine. Let me go on. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those that he predestined, he what? He also called. You have been called. The call of God is on your life. Yes, your life. Swari, the call of God is on your life. Yes, it is. 
Isn't that exciting? Amy, the call of God is on your life. Stuart, the call of God is on your life. It's kind of cool. It's important to realize that. Michelle, the call of God is on your life. Dr. Van, the call of God is on your life, sir. The call of God is on your life. Ellen, the call of God is on your life. Camille, the call of God is on your life. It's on all of our lives. We're getting that yet? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say this. Who knew the call of God is on my life? Go on, just do it. Take a moment. I know it's embarrassing. I know we hate this. I hate it when preachers do this to me. But today, in this conversation that we're going to have, I want us to get this. The call of God is on your life. Yes, it is. The call of God is on your life. And that is unbelievably important. And I want us to understand this a little bit more. Because what does that mean if the call of God is on my life? Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we read this. While they were worshiping this bunch of Christ followers, just like us, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You see, the the call of God is the work to which he has called you. What is the work to which he has called you? That is an incredibly important question today that I want us all to be able to grapple with. What is the work that the Lord has called you to? And from that, are you doing the work that the Lord has called you to? For Barnabas and Saul, the work that the Lord had called them to was to get out there and kind of start churches and encourage them. For Lydia, who we read about in Acts, the work to which she was called was making purple cloth, right? She was a textile manufacturer. And she also hosted the first house church in her town, in her home as well. For you, the, the, Lord, uh, sorry, the work that the Lord has called you to could be all sorts of things. It could be raising kids. It could be growing a family. It could be studying. It could be being a builder. It could be being a doctor. It could be alleviating suffering. It could be solving problems in the workplace. It could be all sorts of things. But you've got to know that. You've got to know, are you doing the work to which the Lord has called you? And that's the difference, right? Because sometimes we can do work that the Lord hasn't called us to. And I, I want to dig into that for a moment. Because sometimes things can happen on the way. On the way. Circumstances can come against us. Things can happen in our world that mean that even though we started with some sort of dream in our heart, some sort of desire to, to do something, some sort of gifting that meant that maybe this is what we're going to do with our lives, sometimes we can get sidelined on the way. You know, I worked with this woman many, many years ago uh, in retail. Uh, when I knew her, she must have been in her early 60s. She was, she was a grumpy lady. Yes, she was. I say that with the utmost respect. She was a grumpy lady. And uh, she was really good. She ran a department. But, man, we all, we all walked in fear of her. Yes, we did. But I was young and full of the love of Jesus and so we got to become friends. And I remember one day chatting to her and saying, so, you know, the whole retail thing, you always wanted to do retail? And what astonished me, right, was what she came out with. She said, no, 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 no. She goes, 
I always wanted to be a nurse. From when I was a little girl, I just wanted to be a nurse. All through school, I just I wanted, to, I wanted to be a nurse. That's what I wanted to be. And I said, so what happened? She said, well, you know, I kind of got to the end of school. I had a boyfriend and I got pregnant. And so we kind of moved in together, but he didn't have a whole lot going on. And so uh, I had to get a part-time job while I was pregnant. And then we had the baby. And then he left me. And now I've got a baby. And so I've, I, I, I kept working in retail because it gave me flexible hours. And then, and then school came along and school fees. And I had to work full-time. And I don't know, I just kind of got stuck here. Just, I just paid the bills. She got lost on the way. Now, this one wasn't a Christian, but isn't it interesting that she still had a dream in her heart? She still had something that, even as a young girl, she felt that she was made for. And how many of us in this world have something like that that's in us? It's like, man, I would love to do that. I would love to, I'd love to, I think that may be what God has called me to. And I think it's important for us to realize that this is really important. That we must not allow ourselves to think for a second that the call of God is to work in a church. I mean, working in a church is great if it's the work the Lord has called you to, right? Do you know that the, the vast majority of Christians in history who have utterly changed the world were not pastors? They were doctors and teachers and lawyers and builders, and farmers, and all these kinds of things. And I could st say, stand here all day and tell you stories of people who weren't pastors who changed the world. Why is that? Well, where are all the lost people? They're not in church. They are where you are. I'm going to use your game, Ben, if that's all right, but Ben's a great young builder. I love Ben. But the guys that Ben works with, they're not coming to our church. So what does God do? God raises up a Ben who's got a sense and a, there's a gifting and there's an ability. He's like, man, I don't want to be a builder. I want to build things. I want to do, and, and he does, and he's good. But even more importantly, he's different because he's that different guy on the work side. There's something about him. The way he carries himself, the light that comes off him, and the... The encouragement that comes out, I mean, he's, it's different. That's what God wants for each of you in the work that he has called you to. We've got to get this this morning. This conversation this morning is about you getting a fresh understanding of the call of God that is on your life. You see, God never wants us to lose the dream on the way, like this woman I worked with. Because what it does is it slowly turns us into bitter people. It slowly turns us into hopeless people, despairing people, depressed people. You live for 60 years with a dream in your heart that you never even get close to going for. See, that'll bring you down. And there are plenty of, plenty of us as well who along the way really struggle with not getting sidelined, not getting swamped, not getting... Dragged away by distractions or other things. You see, our faith in our circumstances sometimes become stronger than our faith in our Savior. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us 
starting with the realization that we've all got the call of God in our life and that the call of God is the work to which he has called us, right? I want us to make sure that we don't get lost on the way. So I want us to go to the scriptures. Like We always go to the scriptures, right? It's always the scriptures. There's not a problem that you will face the answer which you might find in the scriptures. There's not a challenge. There's not a difficulty. There's not a problem that you'll come across that you won't find answers for in the scriptures. So let me go to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, and we're going to read through this. <clears throat> One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall or a storm, a sudden storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. Okay, first century fishing boat, pretty large. You can still row it, but sailing is, is a key way of getting the boat around. It's an open boat, so you start getting water in. Uh, you've got a real problem. No electronic bilge pumps. You can just flick on. Uh, you've got to bail that out or you are in deep trouble. It says, and they were in great danger. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. And the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Okay, first thing to note this morning, team. Jesus said, we're going over to the other side of the lake, right? Jesus wanted to be on the other side of the lake. Jesus wanted the disciples to be on the other side of the lake. There was a plan and a purpose for being on the other side of the lake. They needed to be on the other side of the lake to do the work to which they were called. That was the destination. That was the, that was the call, if you like. And it was clear. And here's the most important thing. It was achievable. Because these guys had a gifting that matched with the call. That's what God does. God will match your giftings with the call that is on your life. That's really important to realize. And, and you've got to understand that. So these, these guys were fishermen, like they spent their life in boats. They were almost certainly the sons of fishermen. Their dad would talk about the big storm of 32 and, you know, when all the boats were lost. And I mean, these guys understood that stuff. You see, it's important for us to realize in our life that if God has called you to something, it is achievable. It is achievable, and God will match the gifting in your life with that. The call of God is achievable, yet something happened on the way that threatened to wreck it all. They experienced things coming at them. In this case, waves and wind, boat began to take on water, looked like it was going to be swamped, they were going to sink. Have you ever found yourself feeling swamped? on the way to what God has called you to. First week back at Varsity this week, I'm studying again, Liz is studying again, our kids are studying, most of them. And I've had so many conversations, not just in my family, but with some of my classmates and others. So many university students out there, first week back, first week back, Christian, are feeling swamped, feeling overwhelmed. And I'm telling you this, there will be a number of students 
who will bail out of their courses before the first term is over. Because despite the dream in their heart, despite that the, the, there's a sense that they're moving towards something, the stuff that is coming at them on the way to the dream, they just don't know how to handle it. They weren't expecting it. I'm telling you, you will find things coming at you. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. You will have things come at you that you didn't expect. A relationship breakdown, opposition from a person, maybe a lack of discipline in your own life, maybe failure, maybe you go through something that you just you blew it. And These things will happen on the way. But I'm telling you this, if God has called you to it, it is achievable. It is achievable and you will get there if you don't give up. The second thing to note from the story is this, is that Jesus once summoned earnestly, no doubt desperately, and repeatedly, that once summoned, Jesus brought the circumstances to an early finish. Jesus brought the circumstances to an early finish. Do you realize that on the way, as you are moving towards or even engaging in the work to which he has called you, the call of God in your life, do you realize that as you face opposition, difficulty, challenge, in whatever form that comes, do you realize that if you will go to Jesus, if you'll go to him earnestly, if you will go to him desperately even, if you will go to him repeatedly, Jesus has the power to intervene in your life and bring your circumstances to an early finish. I have seen it happen again and again in my life. You know, hey, man, it's taken me so long to see. Maybe it's because I have a science background. Like, I want to see the evidence for things. But I'm telling you, after walking with Jesus for 32 years now, I am telling you without a shadow of a doubt that God answers prayer. And if you will speak to him, he will intervene and these things happen. I, my favorite quote for the whole of last year, and I suspect it will be for the whole of this year as well, is a quote by Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a very famous missionary to China. Amazing, amazing man. And he once said this. He once says, I can move a man by God through prayer alone, and I've proved it a thousand times. Let me say that again. I can move a man by God through prayer alone, and I have proved it a thousand times. Now, do you hear what he's saying? What he's saying is this. He's saying, you know, in the midst of this work to which God has called me, I have again and again and again, maybe a thousand times at least, come up against people who have threatened to stop what we are trying to do and what God is trying to do. Despite my best efforts, despite my most diplomatic attempts, despite trying to work through things, in the end, these people have threatened to stop me. And so I have had no recourse but to go to God in prayer. But this is what I have found. I have found that when I've gone to Jesus earnestly, when I've gone to him desperately even, repeatedly, I have found that by God, through prayer alone, God will move them. God will intervene in my circumstances. And I'm telling you, Jesus will do the same for you. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If you're sitting there going, well, I think this is where I'm going. I think this is the work to, what, to which God has called me. Maybe you're in it right now. You're there. You're doing it, which is phenomenal. But you're facing opposition. Maybe even people are just causing you immense trouble. I'm telling you this. Just like the disciples did in the lake, if you will go to Jesus, who is with you, earnestly, desperately even, repeatedly, he has the power to bring those circumstances to an early finish. The third thing to note from this passage today is that Jesus posed just one question 
to these disciples in the midst of this. And it was not, where are your sailing skills? Like it's, it's all on, there's water coming out into the boat, they wake Jesus up. Jesus didn't get up and he didn't go, what are you doing? Where are your sailing skills? Why haven't you reduced sail? Why didn't we head towards the shore as soon as you saw the squall coming? Isn't this what you guys do? Here's the interesting thing. The one question Jesus asked them was nothing to do with their competence. It was nothing to do with their skill. Now, absolutely, skill is important, right? We have to be good at the things that we're doing. There's no question, like I said earlier, God matches our giftings with our calling. God has not called me to be a builder. And I have no gifting... Like, I've got no craftsmanship gifting. I've got nothing with that. I, over the holidays, I built a planter box for Liz. Yes, I did. A planter box. A plant, we, 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 had a, we, we extended a bit of our deck. We had some decking. I didn't do it. A man who's a builder did it. And we had some decking left over, so I took this and I built a planter box. It's like a meter and a half long. It's kind of like, you know, 40 centimeters wide. It is the second most epic building project I've ever engaged on. It took me about five hours. Involved about 13 pieces of wood, some of which I had to cut. Yes, I did. It also involved about 1,000 nails, a large number of which never made it into the wood. At the end of that epic five-hour building project, I was dehydrated, I was exhausted, and I had to go inside and lie down. And while I was lying down, I had to repent. I had to repent of my frustration, had to repent of my anger, and I possibly had to repent of some non-biblical words I used in relation to the tools I was using, the general state of the universe, and possibly even God himself. You know, here's the truth. I am never closer to losing my salvation than when I'm trying to build something. I do not have the gifting, and God in his utter wonderful wisdom has not called me to be a builder. And let me say to you, if you are doing any building project, and I come to you and I say, hey, I'll come around and give you a hand, you should change the date. (laughs) Not gifted, not called. But even when you do have the gifting that matches the call, like a bunch of fishermen called to take a boat across a big lake, you need to understand this, God's call requires faith, more than skill. This is so important. So important. God's call requires faith more than skill. Jesus was saying to these guys, <laughs> he's saying, guys, I'm, I'm God. Like We've worked this out. I am, I am I'm Lord. Like I'm Lord. I'm Lord. I can create the heavens and the earth. I did the whole thing. You know that by now. You've seen me do the miracles. I am God. I'm God. I am God for goodness sake. I said we're going to the other side of the lake. God said we're going to the other side of the lake. Is there a problem here? Oh, we've got some waves and some wind. I don't care if we have a direct asteroid hit. If God says we're going to the other side of the lake, boys, guess where we're going? We're going to the other side of the lake. I'm telling you, if God says to you, this is the work to which I have called you, then as long as you have got the faith to go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to keep trusting you, then if you keep going, God will get you through. Yes, he will. This is hugely important. Faith. Faith is far more the determinant of our success than our skill or ability. Many of you will know of a wonderful children's book called Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. It's one of the ones that hasn't been banned. Thank you, Jesus. 
Let me give you a quick synopsis of Green Eggs and Ham, for those of you who haven't yet read it, and if you haven't, it should be on your reading list. Green Eggs and Ham is essentially about a guy called Sam who self-designates as Sam I Am. Sam I Am loves green eggs and ham. Yes, he does. And he is trying to get his friend to like them. But his friend is like, are you serious? It sounds disgusting. I'm not going to eat green eggs and ham. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going there. And essentially the whole book is about, no, man, you need to try it. Like it's, it's green eggs and ham. It's amazing. You need to try it. You'll love it if you try it. And he's like, there is no way I'm trying green eggs and ham. But if you've read the book, you know that at the end of the book, something amazing happens is because finally Sam I Am gets his friend to try green eggs and ham. And what happens when he tries green eggs and ham? Let me read this to you, ladies and gentlemen. This is what he says. Say, I like green eggs and ham. I do. I like them, Sam I am. And I'd eat them in a boat. And I would eat them with a goat. And I will eat them in the rain and in the dark and on a train and in a car and in a tree. They are so good. So good, you see. So I will eat them in a box and I will eat them with a fox and I will eat them in a house and I will eat them with a mouse and I will eat them here and there. Say, I will eat them anywhere. Something has changed in him. And now nothing can stop him. You see, when you decide to have faith again on the journey that God has called you on, towards the work to which he has called you, I'm telling you this, when you realize that God has called you to it and you make that decision to put your faith in Jesus, that we're going to get there, come what may, then if Jesus says to you, we are going across the lake, then we can get there in a boat. And we can get there on a goat. And we can get there with a fox. And we can get there in a box. And we can float there on a tree or in a whale like Jonah, you see. We can get there rain or sun or in a boat or without one. Storm or waves or hail or snow. If Jesus called us, we will go. I know, and some of you are going... Did we just clap a terrible rendition of Dr. Seuss? <laughs> but it leads us to the question, right? Where is my faith? We need a paradigm shift. Is my faith more in the circumstances that oppose me or the Savior who called me to this? And we have to make the decision on that. I went for a run just the other day, and I do a bit of running, as some of you may know, and I hadn't been doing a lot of training. It wasn't a super long run, but I was out there, and I was getting stuffed, and I can tell you the exact place where it was that I gave up. I'm staggering along. It's a miracle. More people don't grab me and put me in an ambulance thinking that I've just had a stroke or something. It's not a pretty sight when I'm running, I tell you. But I can tell you the exact place I was in when I gave up, and I just went, oh, I'm stuffed. I can't go anymore. I'm just too tired. I'm stopping. And so I did. I stopped, and I started walking. Because I was utterly spent. I had nothing left in me. And then you know what happened right after about 30 seconds? Something inside me goes, come on, Griff. Harden up. You've done this before. This is what you do when you go running. You can still run. Start running again. And so do you know what happened? I started running again. What's all that about? What's the difference between when I have decided that I absolutely have nothing left and I can't run anymore, and 30 seconds later, when I do start running some more? What's the difference? The only difference is this, faith. Somewhere, something in me said, no, you can do this. You can keep going. 
faith came into my world or I put it into my world or I did something with it, but something happened and I decided, no, you can do this. You have got it. And I'm telling you, it's exactly the same. Faith more often than anything else determines your success. And so I ask you again, where is your faith? Because whether or not we have the skill yet, whether or not we have the ability yet, whether or not we have the capacity yet, it is our faith, our belief in Jesus. It is our belief in the one who called us to the work to which he has called us. It is that that makes it possible. That is the only thing that will keep us going. If Jesus called it in your life, I'm telling you, it's possible. I'm telling you, it's achievable. I'm telling you that if God called it, nothing can stop it if you're willing to keep going. And yes, you will need divine intervention. Why? Because with God's call, there's a supernatural reason that goes beyond the natural reason. There's something bigger than that. And as a result, we have an enemy who wants to take you out of that call. You know what? If the devil can get you to never step into your call, his problems are mostly solved in your life. And so you will face supernatural opposition. I can't tell you the number of university students I've talked to over the years who are at university because there's a dream in their heart or a prophetic word or this is what I want to do with my life and I'm going to do this. And then they get there and then they go flatting and they get into the flat and they start having the most frightening, bizarre, demonic issues in that flat. I, I, I could tell you story after story after story that lead them to go, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Why? Because there's a spiritual pushback against them. If the devil can take you out before you get to the place of doing the work that God has called you to, problem solved for him. Don't let the devil do that. Don't get lost on the way. You will need divine intervention. There, I told you, you've heard it now. You will need divine intervention. You will need to go to Jesus sometimes in your squalls and storms and difficult circumstances. But God will intervene and move things for you. But you will need faith. Jesus says to them, we're going over to the other side of the lake. He did not say we're going to stay on this side of the lake. He did not say we're going to go to the left or the right. He did not say we're going to go to the bottom of the lake. He said we're going to the other side of the lake. And when circumstances got in the way, they went to Jesus. They put their faith in him instead of in their circumstances. And everything changed.